0: Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Well, hello there. This is episode nine. This week's guest is Borthy Stokes, who experienced a very traumatic accident and ended up coming out on the other side two hours later, recovering miraculously from a complex traumatic brain injury with a near-death experience behind her back. She used years of advanced practice with meditation to recover against all odds. Now she is a gifted meditation teacher and an expert in energetic healing who works with private clients and gives public talks. She also has top-rated meditation on Insight Timer, I just checked that out the other day and highly recommend checking it out to anyone. You just have to download the Insight Timer app and search for Worthy Stokes. And that specific meditation that she has there already is for anxiety, which is really, really wonderful for those high-stress, busy days that a lot of entrepreneurs experience. Worthy is also the creator of the HeartMind Method and HeartMind Meditations, which we'll be talking more about. Worthy's work is committed to helping us organize our neurological intelligence via the auditory cortex. Pretty cool, right? In this episode, we'll be talking about the subjects of worth, creativity, spiritual practice, the incredible power of presence, and connecting to your heart wisdom. Worthy very generously shares the answers that she received during her near death experience. We talk about the most powerful part of being human and being an entrepreneur and what it has to do with nourishing your creative energy. You will learn about the surprising etymology of the word worth. And we also talked about joy as a path to more success and fulfillment. We discuss what living from the heart-mind wisdom means and how technology can impact our connection with our heart wisdom. And of course, one of my favorite topics the importance of trusting your instincts, whether that's in personal life or in business. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps more people discover the podcast. And if you're on Instagram, post stories with screenshots of you listening to this episode or other episodes. And tell me what your favorite takeaways are. You can find me at Woke and Wired on both Instagram and Twitter. All right, here we go. I'm here with Worthy, who is the founder of Heart Mind Meditation, who is a distant healer and a brain injury survivor. I am just so excited to talk to you about your experiences, both on this side and the other side, and how you're really bringing it into the world and making the ancient timeless wisdom applicable in this real human world um, mm. through your work. I can't wait to dive into all the things that we have in common. Very exciting to be here.
1: I am crazy dance for this human in so many ways. Yeah, it's such an exciting story, actually. It's a really exciting story. I got hit by a van. I visited the other side. I took a look around. I said, I want to go back. And sometimes I tell the story in a way that's really comical, and sometimes it's, it's very serious. And... It was very clear at the moment, and I was very clear about bringing everything, all of the energy, everything I was experiencing back with me. That was four years ago, and it's taken me four years to really figure out my energy field. There is a timeline, actually, for near-death experience survivors. It can take seven years on average for the body to adjust to the new frequency from the other side. So I'm four years in to my frequency update, my OS change. (laughs) It's between 70 and 80% of individuals come back with special gifts.
0: And then heart-mind happened. So let's get back to that. You were living in another country. You were living in Korea. Yes. And that's where the accident happened. Mm -hmm. And... You know, you had been on a spiritual path for a long time, Mm -hmm. and you had also worked in the nonprofit world as a consultant for a long time. And you had shared with me that you've also studied aromatherapy for a long time, you studied teas for a long time, spent a lot of time in the wilderness, and then this accident happens, or as we can refer to it as opportunity, because what you really ended up getting from it opened up a whole new world for you you know, near-death experiences, you sort of like see and hear about it in movies, here and there, in books. And I had never met anyone before you who had actually gone there. You know, people do psychedelics and go on shaman journeys and go on the other side or perceive that we go on the other side. Is it similar in any way
1: to that? That's a great question and a little sensitive. I don't want to offend any of the ayahuasca journey people out there. I would... Like to say there is a different quality. I'm also hesitant to compare near-death experiences. They're very unique. So in my particular case, I had a complex, severe traumatic brain injury happening. So I did not have access to my mind. It was it was hemorrhaging. My brain was hemorrhaging. I can't do psychedelics because I live in a world right now that now that feels psychedelic all the time. It was a different experience and it really showed me immediately that I had never left. I knew exactly where I was. Some people go through a tunnel. Some people go through this process. Some people are hovering around looking at their body. It's very unique across the spectrum. I went straight there. I was not looking at my body. I was not worried about my body. I was very aware that my body was having a body experience and I was having a different experience. My first thought was, oh, so this is what all the fuss is about. <laughs> I was very conscious. I had a very conscious experience. And so what is the fuss about? It was peaceful. It is peaceful. It's it's deeply peaceful. It's deeply connected and it's always there. Up until that point, there had always been a part of me that had in the back of my mind said, I want to go home. I felt like a visitor in my body. And when this experience happened and I was there in source energy, I was there completely enveloped in the source energy of all that exists. It clarified something I had wanted to understand seriously for about 10 years. It was the answer to the question I had been carrying for 10 years. And when I went to Seoul, I had I had gone there to write a book about tea. I had only been there for 2 weeks. I had actually given up my spiritual inquiry. What was the inquiry? The 10-year question was what are we doing? Why are we here? You know, what what is what is this life? And it started in earnest prior when I read the book called Molecules of Emotion by the late Dr. Candace Pertz. That's when I started to understand that our cellular design is designed as light. It's designed as intelligence. And I went on this quest. And that's what actually drove me to meditate. That's how I first started meditating is I had a lot of experiences with clairvoyance and all sorts of interesting stuff. I at some point thought, okay, I have to ride. I have to learn how to ride this torpedo. This torpedo is is either going to ride me or I'm going to ride it, right? So, that's why I started to meditate. I wanted I didn't want to shut out the world.
0: I wanted to learn how to ride ride the winds. Yeah. So, you started meditating when you were pretty young. You've been on this thing Way before it was part of the cool wellness trend world.
1: I mean, when I started meditating, it was kind of sketchy. You know, I was in Sedona. I was in the mountains. I was visiting the the monks and I was a weird person. Now it's really cool. Now it's very hip. Now it's, you know, oh, what ashram are you going to? What crystal are you using now? Then it was kind of fringe. I wasn't very cool. I was
0: on a mission. I had to figure this out. And so for you personally, how did your spiritual meditation, consciousness practice shift? How do you come back from something like this and communicate? And was there a message that you were given to pass along to others? Mm. I love that
1: question. In reality, there is no other side. In reality, this is all in one place. Our mind doesn't understand that, but it's all in one place. We are always there, and we are always here, and we are always home. I was really excited when I got there. I had wanted to understand the source of all things for 10 years, and I was here. I was excited. How long did it last? In my perception, it was forever. It was forever. And I was like a kid at Christmas time, and I was ready. I was like, great, divinity, I'm ready for my purpose. And there were no words. There were no words. I knew exactly where I was. I had a complete awakening. My body, I felt my entire physical body and my entire mind awareness, every aspect of myself, I felt saturated with this luminosity that transcends anything we can imagine. A Rinpoche did appear. And... Which is a Buddhist monk. Yes. And... We were communicating without words. And again, I always like to say everyone has a very unique NDE. I thought I was gonna get this message, go back and save 1 million trees or something really crystallized. The message to me from source was take all of this and let your body be drenched in this awareness. Let your physical body be permeated by this awareness, and let yourselves never forget this again. That was pivotal. I looked around and I said to myself, okay, I've, I've come home to source. I have answered my question about the source of all things. Now I know who I am beyond the body. It will always be here waiting for me. It is my inheritance. It is your inheritance. It's always waiting. It's always with us. The narrative, the body of worthy, this creative point of existence, has a timeline. And I had a choice to make. And I thought, I want to go back to see who I will become with all of this light inside of me. The question was no longer, where is my home? What am I made of? The question is, how much light can I carry in my body? And it became a different question.
0: Wow. Wow. So with such a profound understanding and, you know, there's talk about awakening and Kundalini rising and let's meditate until we get to that point. Yes. You've gone to that point And, you know, what I'm curious about is how do you take such an out of this world, no words experience and put it into a human form, into a human body, into language, into your work? Mm
1: it's taken some time. The powerful thing about source energy is that it is very similar to creative energy. And we all hear that. We all know that. It's true. And the most powerful part of being a human being or being an entrepreneur is to bring things to life every day. And the task is, how do I maintain that creative energy? How do I nourish that creative energy? How do I keep that creative spark within, sustainable, so that it nourishes me. And as I've been working, I've been working a lot on my meditation recordings. And what came to me as I was recording, even just this week, it was, we nourish our practice, we nurture our spiritual practice until our spiritual practice nurtures us.
0: So what does that mean for your spiritual practice? You know, you were a seeker even before that. So how did your spiritual practice shift before and after then? It's much easier for me to abide. My
1: primary practice is abiding. So it's, it's sitting in naked awareness, sitting no instruments. It's sitting silence or not silence. And it's connecting with that part within that is immovable and impenetrable and strong and always luminous. And it strengthened my practice quite a bit. Although, I love this question because I lost my sense of smell and taste in this accident. And a lot of my spiritual practice was connected with my nose and my experience with nature and my connection with Palo Santo or other things. That is what supported me in my transition to sound, to sound meditation and to focusing on my voice because I gained a connection with source that is deeply precious to me. And I lost contact with certain aspects of the physical world. It's taken me four years to really reframe that and learn how to engage the auditory aspect of the nervous system and the neurology. We
0: completely underestimate the power of our ears. Sound vibration, sound healing, and voice healing. Is that what you're talking about? How impacted we just are by those sound waves? Yes. Yes. Sound waves are very
1: important, and it doesn't mean we're always trying to make a perfect sound outside of ourselves, like right now.
0: Welcome to New York City. (laughs) Where we have sirens.
1: And so we have these sound waves. And I have a very different perspective now of meditation instructors and of individuals And how we come into a room, how we bring our presence to each other as people saying hello. I have experienced a shift in my practice because now part of my practice is saying hello to another person I am meeting. When we greet each other with our eyes and with our voice, we have enormous connectivity happening there that we take for granted. It's a presence practice. All of the conversation these days about the nervous system and about, you know, neuroscience and the quantum field and our bodies and all of that stuff. I have come to a place where I'm paying attention to the voice, the voice of all things. I am paying attention to, I like to say I have dolphin sonar now. I pay attention to the sound of the world. So I have an internal sanctuary that is always carrying source energy that I keep filled up every day with my daily practice. And my internal sanctuary is meeting the world every day in this constant satsang. And it doesn't mean that it's always pretty and perfect and predictable. The difference now with my meditation practice is that I perhaps care too much About the experiences, about our meetings, about our encounters. So I am so present now with all of this life.
0: And I don't know how to be any other way anymore. That's so cool. Worthy shared with me earlier, one of her missions really is to bring presence wherever she goes, whoever she speaks to. And I think if all of us had that intention in our personal relationships, in our business, just doing that one thing would make such an enormous Mm -hmm. impact on how the whole world operates. Huge. Do you want to hear about my
1: name? Yes. Worthy. Worthy. Right? Everyone thinks that I gave myself this name. I did not. I did not. I actually showed up in this world with the name Worthy. It was it's a family name. It was given to me when when I was born. Because of that, I have always been asked by everyone in the world throughout the course of my life, "What is your worth?" It, it's been the joke. The joke is, how much
0: are you worth? The joke is, are you worthy? Kind of like when I was 15 and I went to Egypt with my family, and a guy on the street, a shop owner, asked my dad if I was worth 30 camels. Yes, <laughs> yes. Kind of like that.
1: Yes, 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 exactly. And I, I got I got it every day, almost every day. And it never bothered me. It inspired me to understand... Worth. What is worth? What does this word mean that everyone thinks they understand? And the etymology of the word is really fascinating. Worthy and worth. And this relates to creative spiritual entrepreneurs. This is really important because we are distracted by a lot of this spiritual language right now that says, increase your self-worth to increase your business. And I cannot support that link from an entrepreneurial perspective. It does occur. That does happen. But I'm going to pivot with this language because the meaning of the word is far more cool. The etymology of the word, if you go back to its beginnings, comes from wort, W-E-R-T. If you go through all of these different pieces, it's to be. Woe wort the day is a phrase. It means come to be. And what the word worth and worthy really means and is really referencing is bring what you value to come to be. Bring what you value into form. Bring what you value into life. It has nothing to do with money. Some person, some human being made it all about money later. The origin of my name and of the word itself is very powerful.
0: I don't think it's necessarily money i think everyone has a different story based on our upbringing Mm. for me what comes up when i think about worth it's my Mm self-worth and how i evaluate myself based on how i'm feeling in my body that day or how my hair is looking or you know i think for women in today's world the word worth is very much associated with how beautiful are we how feminine are we who's gonna like me on ig and it's pervasive What
1: is fascinating for me in the world that we live in, especially with technology, is that we are spreading this mythology about self worth. And I like to tell my clients you are never not worthy, it's not possible. You are always creating who you are. Worthy and worth means to come to be. You are always coming to be, you are always bringing what you love into form. You are always in this creative process with Source. You are never not worthy. You are never not full of enormous worth because worth is the creative potentiality that lives at the source of the universal energy that, that lives inside every single one of us. It is our inheritance. You can never wake up and not be worthy. It's impossible. Whether you have a dollar in your bank account or 5 million, whether you have greasy hair or not, and I've been in all of these places. I'm passionate about that because we have, in our languaging and in our cultural conditioning, we have wrapped up worth with money and with physical appearance. But these things are distractions. And when we choose to run a business, we are choosing to bring life into something.
0: I love this so much. This pivot from basing your worth on outside Things and experiences mm-hmm. and all these things that fade away ultimately. Mm-hmm. We don't take it with us on the other side. Pivoting that to something that I always come back to whenever I do workshops or work mm-hmm. with clients, it's, you know, whenever someone is stuck in their social media or sharing their message with the world in their business, the first thing that I do, both for my clients and actually for myself, whenever I'm feeling disconnected or uninspired, the first thing I do is my practice of coming back to what brings me joy genius. And so that is the access to doing things that are important to me. It's like the direct door that leads me to things that are important to me. That is very true and very advanced. Go do things that bring you joy. You know, who would have ever thought that that's the path to more success and fulfillment, but it really is the first step to exactly that.
1: Yes. And I know a lot of people struggle with not actually knowing what brings them joy. And that's real. That's We live in a world right now where finding our truthful inner joy has become a privilege. And it's very sacred. And so it doesn't have to be, and I think you and I have talked about this, we don't have to go on a spiritual quest. We don't have to go to a fancy retreat. We don't have to do these great things. We can sit on our porch with a friend and a cup of tea and ask each other, what do you love? What do you love? What brings you to life? What brings you into form, right? What brings you into a space of coming to be?
0: When I go to networking events, the thing that I've been asking to avoid small talk is what are you excited about right now? Oh my gosh, I do that too. What are you loving right now? So And people are just caught off guard. (laughs) Totally. And they they look at me and they're like, did she just ask me that? And I'm like, yeah, let's just do this thing and be present with each other. Totally.
1: Because everyone's so used to
0: being asked about an occupation. And And then placing worth and price tags on people based on that, you know? But anyway, I want to go back a little bit. What I'm really curious about is, you know, when you talk about that connection to luminosity and light source... For me, that connection, I've experienced it when I've had, have gone on a retreat, for example, mm-hmm. either my meditation retreat a few months ago, or when I was in India meditating in a mountaintop. And I just got this absolute sense of, I am so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I am the most beautiful thing in the world. And so is every single thing in the world. Yes. It was this understanding, and I remember leaving the meditation room and just seeing every leaf and flower tremble in the wind and just thinking, oh my gosh, each single thing is so beautiful and deserves my love and attention, and the other way around too. And yes, and I thought, okay, my life is never going to be the same again. And then I go back into my life, to my job, and it just fades away. Mm. And so, you know, that's where daily practice, Mm -hmm. for me, comes back into being important, but Okay, so here's my question. Not everyone has gone through a near-death experience, and, and not everyone has this visceral cellular understanding of what that luminosity and that source is. But is there access to that for everyone? And if there is, how can we get there? And are we even meant to get there? I love this question because it's what I've been
1: trying to figure out since I came back. Yes, there is an access point. It's the heart mind, which is what I'm working on now with my meditation series. And it's this sweet spot where the mind is connected with the heart and with the breath. And we can contact or make contact with that transmission point. I I want to call it a transmission point, actually, because it's so beautiful and we have forgotten in our contemporary culture how brilliant the heart really is. We have to quiet it. We have jobs. We have. We live in the world. The thing that I have worked really hard to crystallize is that heart-mind point where the intelligence of the heart is awake, the intelligence of the mind is awake, and the intelligence of the quantum field is awake and they are all awake. And maybe I can give it to you for one minute. Maybe I can give it to you for 10 minutes. It's what I'm working on. It's what I'm completely devoted to figuring out because the greatest pain I have experienced since reintegrating into the world is seeing that human beings do not value their own lives. I am in awe Of every human being I meet, I am in complete awe in some capacity. It's that piece of awe that's, for me, it's like looking at movable sculptures. I feel like I'm living in a world where there is an ongoing art installation and we are all moving pieces of light. That's how I see. The access point is in the heart-mind. We've had a lot of focus with neuroscience on the brain, you know, control your brain, train your brain. Like affirmations. Right. The mantras. The reality is creativity and love are the greatest, most powerful access gateways you have. It's really important to always liberate those parts of yourself. And those parts of yourself live in the heart. You know, the mind is in service to the heart, which we don't think about a lot of the time. We cannot manifest if we have a broken heart. We cannot dream if we have a broken heart.
0: Hold on. What do you mean by that? I manifested a lot of great things when my heart was broken. Or do you mean broken heart like love story that didn't work out? Or you mean not being connected to your heart? Oh, I love that. Connection. It's a connection because you had a connection point. We don't want to cut off anyone there who's broken hearted right now. Definitely not.
1: Definitely not. Sorry, people.
0: Thank you. The heart
1: is so resilient I think where I want to make a pivot there is we've overly focused on the brain and we've undermined the ability of the heart to reconstruct itself. So with your story, your heart was able to and is able to carry heartache and potentiality at the same time. That's not always an option for people. Even that can be hard for people to carry pain and hope in the same place. So my meditation is a vacation. It's a gateway. It's a pause. You hit the pause button. It's for beginners. It's for advanced practitioners. It's for the range, the full range. And it's a pause point within your heart mind to try to get these three different pieces connected in one spot for a window of time.
0: Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to try the meditations. I'm going to link them in the show notes on WokenWire.com, And I'm just very, very excited to try them. And the question I have for you, Worthy, is when we're not meditating, when we're not doing our practice, what are some ways that every one of us can apply that idea of bringing our heart and mind together to our personal relationships, to our business, Because for me, last week I went to the shamanic clearing and I realized as soon as I sat down in the chair and she asked me how I'm doing, the first thing that came up is that I was completely in my head and above Mm -hmm. and I had no idea what was going on under that. I was not connected to my body at all. Mm -hmm. I was not embodied or present for myself. Mm -hmm. And so... It's very easy for me to go to that place and just get stuck in my mind, even though I do have a meditation practice and I do do yoga. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways that outside of our spiritual, you know, consciousness expansion practice, our wellness practice that we can actually do in all waking moments to keep connecting those two, three intelligences together? Right. It's the perfect,
1: it's, it's a perfect triad. I also sometimes see them as spheres, overlapping spheres. And the most important thing that we can do every day is is realize and respect our physical reality. We are escape artists. We are very talented. All of us are very talented escape artists. And the heart mind, the quantum field, it is trying to live inside of your body. It is trying to talk to you. It is trying to lead you. It is trying to support you. It is trying to make miracles happen. You have all of the hardware inside, even if you don't meditate. And so I like to take it back to biology, which to some sounds very remedial and very simple. It's, it's turn off your phone. It's have a... Heart partner in the world. That can be a friend, that can be a relative. In the world that we live in, our physical bodies are responsive to each other. Our heart is responsive to each other. With us being on our phones all the time and running the mind all the time, it's like running a horse that gets so tired. It's very important. This is so delicious for me. I'm having such a delicious experience because I get to be here in person with this beautiful human being and it's become so rare it's become so rare that we sit down and resonate with each other and we've actually reduced our time for that to special ceremonies or special meditation time and I guess if I really could say one thing to everyone is your biology is so special it responds to another person. It responds to a tree. It is a living organism. And the heart-mind is the driver. So take space to get offline so you can get online, if you know what I mean. The tech is really hard on our hearts. It really is. Yeah, so I build in in my own life. My meditation has expanded. It used to be meditating by myself. Now I love to meditate with other people. I love to, and when I don't, if I run out of time in the morning to meditate, then I make my meditation practice my greeting for the day. So it's really more of a presence practice, actually, if we could pivot and change the word from meditation to presence. Because the heart-mind is wanting to be alive in you. The heart-mind is wanting to bring presence to your life.
0: How does one practice presence? You stop and you
1: take a breath. You stop. You do that thing. You smell the flowers. So maybe you wake up in the morning and you say, I'm going to notice one beautiful thing about every person I see today. And that becomes the presence practice.
0: I love that. And I think it's also, for me, it's really honoring how I'm feeling. And instead of letting my brain do the work. It's really about asking myself, how does this person or this situation or this opportunity make me feel and trusting that and following that? Thank you so
1: much for saying that. It's really important to trust that instinct. So the reason we meditate or practice presence is to quiet the outside world just enough to hear that instinctual response. Which you really can trust. Quiet is rare in the world that we live in.
0: And I'm a big fan of unplugging. So turning off your phone, being present with your community, mm-hmm. creating that sacred time. And from my experience also, I think it's just putting that intention out there. Sometimes it's going to be an actually setting up a meeting and creating that. And living in New York and knowing how, you know, everyone's plate is full Today, I got my moment like that in a yoga class Mm. where where I ran into this beautiful yoga teacher who I haven't seen for a long time. And in Shavasana, she put some geranium oil on me and she just put her hand on my heart. Mm. And that was just so beautiful. Mm. So I think just letting the universe know that we're ready for this kind of presence and contact and connection with others and the opportunities and the ways they just magnetize to us. Yes. Yes. And and touch.
1: Touch is so important. So I hold hands with my friends all the time now. I hold hands with people. I touch people. When I, when I first emerged from my brain injury because of my sensory, sensory loss, I found myself with my hands were always reaching towards people, wanting to touch their skin. And that has an enormously calming presence on us,
0: on our nervous system.
1: So we... It's huge. What you just described is
0: huge. I am inspired to be more connected to my heart. Thank you so much, Worthy. This has been such an incredible conversation. And I'm sure everyone will be checking out your meditations. I definitely will be. And my last question to you is, what is making you feel woke right now? Oh, what is
1: making me feel so woke is being in the recording studio and producing what i believe is the closest thing that i can get to bringing source energy into this
0: dimension i'm so woke by that thank you so much for being here and guys definitely check out the show notes connect with me on instagram woke and wired let me know what you liked about this episode if you enjoyed the show please share it with your friends leave a review and find all the show notes on wokeandwired.com and connect with me on Instagram at wokeandwired. Stay woke, stay wired, and have an incredible day.